Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Guest speakers are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Gateway Financial Partners. Content provided is for general information only and not specific advice. No strategy assures success. Delivering financial professionals' insights, thoughts, and cutting-edge strategies from industry leaders on how to build your most successful practice with the freedom of independence. Live from Gateway Financial Partner Studio at our Connecticut headquarters, we bring you Insights for Independence with your hosts, David Wood and S.J. Whittemore. Well, hello and welcome to today's podcast, to Insights for Independence. We've just been laughing in the studio because we've been deciding what to call <laughs> our next guest. SJ has two names because she's from the South, so she gets Sarah Jean. I only get one name. One is enough for you. One's more than enough. <laughs> well, we've got Dr. Bridget Cooper in the studio today, or Dr. B. Thank you. Hi, Dr. B. How are you? We've known each other a long time. A long time. We just talked about that. I think it's over 10 years. Yeah, over 10 years. So, SJ, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for today, because I'm really excited that you're here. Of course. So, Dr. Bridget Cooper, or Dr. B., we're so lucky to have with us today. She is not only a self-proclaimed cage rattler, speaker, coach, leadership consultant, and also best-selling author. So welcome, Bridget. We're so lucky to have you here today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. So five books, huh? Yeah. Well, I've got a sixth one in the hopper, but I've been uh, a little slow to get it to press. So. Do you have a name of that book yet? Pain Rebel. Pain Rebel. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, and Bridget's uh, also done a TED Talk. So tell I us a little bit about the TED Talk. Yeah, so I did a TEDx Talk in Newport, Rhode Island back in March of 2018. And the title of the talk is The Secret to Making Life Hurt Less. My uh, premise is that we hold on to past hurts so long that they continue to hurt us and to hurt other people. And my uh, mission is to help people alleviate pain and discomfort in their lives so that they can live abundantly and with passion and purpose. That's awesome. I saw the TED Talk. It was spectacular. Thank you. That's a pretty good accomplishment. We can do one of those. I know it was a goal of yours for a long time. It was a goal of mine. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun to do. And you know the backstory behind it. But um, if you watch it on YouTube, you won't know the backstory without me telling it. Do you know the backstory behind it? Of course it? I know the backstory. I, th I think the backstory <laughs> the backstory was the best part of the entire was the best part of the entire TED talk. Do, do you want me to do you want me to tell it? Absolutely. Okay. I don't know. Oh, I want so it. it's a great backstory. So uh, I prepared relentlessly for this talk. Now I speak for a living. I get on stages uh, across the country and this one I knew I needed to prepare for because I wasn't going to be able to speak off the cuff. They're limited to under 18 minutes. And this uh, subject matter was some tough subject matter. So I had to be very articulate and clear about the words I was selecting to communicate this important message. So I practiced in, uh, you know, libraries and you know conference rooms and in people's living rooms for months my dogs could have recited it by heart <laughs> they they knew it so well and you could have told me one word on in any part part of the speech and i would have been able to tell you the sentences before and the sentences after i knew this thing down pat i would sometimes go to the gym and walk on the treadmill and listen to myself having recorded it so i knew this speech so I got to TEDx Newport. I was the very last speaker. I'd watched everyone all day long, taken on as an empath a lot of their nervous energy and kept trying to shake it off. 
more so than Taylor Swift uh, recommends. And so I, I got up on stage and um, I had prepared that I knew that I had a very sensitive topic. And so if I made eye contact with anyone, it might throw me off my game because if they looked sad or upset, I might want to run out into the audience and rescue them. So I made sure to use one of those speaker tricks of looking at the exit signs to my left, center, and to the right. No one would know that I wasn't making eye contact with them, but I did. So I got to a point in my speech where I said something that was a very jarring statement that would have thrown some people into an emotional place. And as I finished the statement, I heard someone in the audience go, <gasps> and within about a couple, maybe two sentences after that gasp, I stopped. I stopped talking. I stopped moving. I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking about the speech anymore. I was actually like outside of my body looking at this thinking, yeah, this isn't how this is supposed to go. You're supposed to have words. You're supposed to still be talking, Bridget. You need to keep talking. But I had no words. And I stood there for 28 seconds. Now, when I say that to people, they're like, ah, 28 seconds. That's not very long. And then I do a pause for maybe three to five seconds, and people are squirming in their chairs because 28 seconds of silence on a stage is paralyzing. And I, after 28 seconds, I realized it's not coming back. So I looked at the audience, and this is being live streamed around the world. We had 400 people in the audience, and I had people all over the country and all over the world watching this. And I looked at the audience, I put my finger up, and I said, give me a minute. And I walked off stage, I got my notes, I looked at them, recognized the English language again, because I had somehow <laughs> lost that in that period of time. And I walked back out on stage and people like erupted into applause. And <laughs> I shook my finger at them I'm like, ah, nope, we're not doing that right now. There is no way we are applauding that moment. We are going back into the moment. So I thought to myself, you know, when they go to splice this together video wise, because I care about the video, they're going to need to have me in the same position I was when I lost my mind. So I thought for a second, how are my hands? How are my feet? I took the count of one, two, and then I started again. And what I learned from that, and I, I spoke um, across the country after that on what failure means and how do you rise up from failure? How do you fail publicly like that and understand it for its true value? And a lot of people, so many people have come to me after they've seen it and they know the story behind it of just a sense of, oh, I can fail and I can get back up. I can have one of those moments and really keep moving through. Well, it's an emotional topic too. So this Very. is the other thing. You weren't talking about uh, aliens in space or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was a personal emotional topic and it was. pretty engaging for you and, and having seen the before splice and after splice. <laughs> 28 <laughs> seconds was a long time. It was but, a long but time. But the outcome was good and I know it was a long-term goal of yours. So yeah. that was... Probably a, a great sense of accomplishment, too, it though. Was. It so. was. It was not the way, you know, I think a lot of moments in our lives are not the way that we intend them to go. But if we can find the value in them, they end up being even more than we ever imagined them to be. So Bridget's coached financial advisors before and has coached lots of people. The four books she's written are on change and a whole bunch of other topics. She's also helped facilitate, and that's one of the areas I first met Bridget. She helped facilitate some strategic planning for our Chamber of Commerce, which is one of the largest uh, chambers in the state. So Bridget was actively involved in that. So she's got a, just a ton of experience and things to, to, to talk about. One of the things today 
as I look at our industry right now, I think our industry is going through so much change. I think for financial advisors that have been in this industry for 20 years, I'm going on you know, 30 years in this industry. I think one of the major things is the speed and, and level of change that started to occur and I think is going to continue to occur is, is a big disruptor for people. And I know one of the uh, one of the books you wrote was I, I'm not going to say it, but it was. <laughs> go ahead. What you you go you go ahead and say the the name. Oh, the title of the book is yeah. Stuck You. St- oh. st- stuck You. So I I think that we say we say that we say that a lot. We say that in the office a lot, but normally we need like the beep. You know, we need, we we need the beep with it because it's it's something that we we, uh, we, we, we talk about your book a lot in the office. So oh, I yeah, appreciate that. So you have to bleep it. So so st- so Stuck You. I think I think a lot of times when I look at financial advisors, and this goes back. I think they're stuck about change. So mm. I, 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 I think, have you, have you seen that from working with financial advisors in the past? Oh, I've, I've seen it in, in every industry, uh, trying to challenge people to see how do I stay on the cutting edge, but how do I stay comfortable? So there's this precipice between those two of being comfortable and feeling masterful over what it is that you're doing and also being open to the changes that will bring you more abundance and create more success and get you closer to the goals that you've set for yourself. And it's it's always this delicate balance of, of kind of getting into that right rhythm and seeing change in a way that um, is, is popular. You know, we, we, we talk in all these workshops that I do about change and I ask people to raise their hand, you know, do you like change? And they they're trying to seem woke and yeah, I love change. Change is, change is the way it to, it's to be. And then I asked them, but what if you're not in charge of the change? Everyone's arms go down. Yeah. So they like change if they're in charge of it, but never if they're not. That's what makes people feel uncomfortable is the sense of not being in control of what's next. So when I work with people looking at change and why it's affecting them negatively, I try to help them find where are they in charge of any part of the change process. Because if they can locate some locus of control around that, they end up calming down quite a bit and being able to see where, what skin they can put in that game. And you're probably more delicate at it than I am. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it it's more delicate. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah totally I think more so. Delicate. I, I, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna try to massage that, but there's no way. No. I see. Do you see how I tried to be delicate yeah, right then? Right. But yeah, no, you, I can't. You, no. you weren't delicate. You no. hurt my feelings. No, I'm sorry. I want to go back to my safe space. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bridget, I would say that especially when we have conversations with financial advisors or other yeah. people in the profession, that the only thing that is consistent, especially within the industry, is change. Yeah, is the only consistency that you'll find. Right. So. Yeah, but they have a tough. T- I think people have a tough time with that. Financial advisors and really anyone else in any other industry that's that's changing, is that they want to. I mean, all of us have egos. I mean, not you, David, of course, but but all of us have a healthy sense of ego, and part of that is nurtured by feeling masterful in, in some domain that they want. People want to feel like they are good at something and they're recognized for being good at something and that they know things and that they are a keeper of information or expertise in some way. And what happens when change is coming at us repeatedly in small and large ways and things are being reorganized is that it can disrupt that sense of of mastery and calm and control over all of those variables. And again, it's about kind of rethinking what that means. And okay, so I'm I'm not in charge of perhaps all of the changes that are coming, but what are some things that I can put into place so that I can be as ahead of it or as with it as I 
need to be to be able to service my clients best, to be able to grow my business in a, in a positive manner? You know, what, what are the resources do I have? And if we always interpret change as being threatening or scary or frustrating or bad, then every time change comes down the pike, that's how we're going to interpret it and experience it that way. And it just, it can throw us really into a, quite a space. I think that's where we struggle as a firm. So we, I think we're, we're very happy with change. We, we spend a lot of time making sure that we're doing the right stuff to be relevant not only today but in the future. And I think that's one of the things that's led to our growth. But at the end of the day, where I think one of the areas we struggle is, is, in, is in taking these resources that we've built out and helping the advisors adopt mm-hmm. this stuff back for change. And I think that what I see a lot is I see procrastination being mm-hmm. one of the ways that advisors – it's just easier to procrastinate than change. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a piece of it that is, um, if I one, if I put it off long enough, right? Kind of like my kids doing their laundry, you know, mom will eventually do it, right? So it'll it'll I won't have to do it if I wait long enough. So there is some procrastination that somehow feels like control of saying, if I don't do it, maybe the next change will come before I have to make this change, and then I only have to make one change. Oftentimes, it also comes up that they feel like hey, you know, I, I, I know this information. I'm good at this. It's been working for me. It's like we call in leadership circles the sacred cow, that it's always been done this way, therefore it must be the right way. And I think the, the challenge that you have is trying to help advisors figure out, well, what's in it for them? How will that benefit their business? And looking at the, at the carrot and versus the stick, looking at the carrot of what are they going toward? How is this going to make things easier? How will this benefit their business? How will this benefit their clients? How will this make them more adaptable and giving them some control over perhaps it's the, the training piece of them feeling like, okay, there is this change coming, but I'm going to help you be an expert at this new way we're going to do it. And that can sometimes um, kind of head off, head off the pass that procrastination that settles in. And we see a lot of groups of advisors. So I think the older advisors, you know, we, we're, we've got different demographics of sure. advisors that we have. So, you know, our, our, one of our oldest advisors is, is 78 years old, yeah. but remarkably he likes change and is yeah. okay with it and embraces it and recognizes that he needs to do it. And that's helping him. But on the right. flip side, we also have older advisors who well, I've always done it this way and it worked which in some cases it has. But I think the big difference that I see right now is our industry is going through a lot of change. Mm-hmm. So, so when I start to look at some of the change from you know, the, the 90s to the 2000s and 2000s to 2010, there was mm-hmm. change, but I think the rate of change given technology and everything oh, else absolutely. today, it's just like it's like a bucket of water just being dumped in your face. Mm-hmm. And I think folks have a hard time coping with that stuff. Yeah, I think it, it can be tough to cope with, but I think that um, I think that with any uh, orientation toward any phenomenon, it's about it's about what what frame are you putting on it. So if change is bad, or here comes another one, or those mantras that we tend to do, like oh, it's Monday, oh, you having a good day? It's oh, but it's Monday, right? Monday's just another day. Monday's an amazing other opportunity to make money and change and happiness and you know margaritas or pizza or whatever you know but we 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 frame these things in these negative formats and then we we build a reality around that so i think sometimes it's about challenging that that idea that change is bad or that 
um, doing it a new way is somehow going to be give them something worse than something better. And sometimes it has nothing to do with age. And to your case in point of a 78-year-old who's, you know, loving being on the cutting edge of change, it's really about uh, mindset with folks because I've met young people who are stuck in their ways and I've met old people who are stuck in the way, their ways and the same with middle-aged people. So there's no, no boundary. Right. So if I'm stuck in my ways, so I go back to the Shel Silverstein book, How Do You Eat an Elephant, you know, one bite, one bite at a time, time. right? So <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm someone who's stuck, uh, how do I get unstuck? I think the first piece, so the Stuck You, which you referred to, um, is a book on change, on the change process, because I do a lot of change management work with companies on trying to change culture and practice and um, do a lot of strategic planning and trying to get the employees to come along for the ride. It, it means that each individual has to own, to some extent, their own change process. So the first, there's five steps, and the first step is awareness, is awareness that either a change is coming or a change needs to occur, like there's something uncomfortable happening that's going to force this change. And the second one, I think, is the hardest one for people to um, to jump into, and, and oftentimes where I come in as a coach, is on the acceptance piece. And it's not just the acceptance that the change is going to happen, but it's the acceptance that how they got there to that point seems like it's um, it's okay that they got to the point where they are. So it's understandable that you wouldn't want to change. Like that would be my first place of acceptance, of course, because it feels comfortable here. That's great. But we also have to accept that there's a change coming. So then you can move into the third step of action and being able to start taking action toward that change um, and, and figuring out kind of where you're going to go next um, in your process. So uh, one of the things that I uh, is always a, a challenge as a manager, as a leader, is that you aren't in charge of whether or not they do the work that needs to be done for them to be better. All you can do, um, I mean, not all you can do, but one of the best things you can do is to model the behavior, right, which you do. You know, you're always, you know, changing and moving and adding and and, and, and welcoming in the change. Is that why you have a whip on the face on your website yeah, cover? So, You've got yeah. the Bridget Cooper with the whip. Is yeah. that the... That was for that was actually for my fourth book, Power Play, and it was about um, taming the work circus. Oh, I thought it was how to get change with the whip. I mean, I I could try that too. It's a bull whip, so yeah, it's it's formidable. It's a big one. Yeah, it is. Well, that's it's for a bull. Yeah. So that would, that's why it was that big. would yeah, so that's exactly it. But yeah, I, I think that's that's how you how you tackle that one. So let's talk about planning a little bit because I think this is another area that you know we've we've already done planning for next year we're we're very focused on on looking at again what resources we need planning this stuff uh where we're trying to manage lots of things which is always a struggle you've yes. got limited amount of bandwidth and a limited amount of resources and people and you're trying to do always more just being kind of an entrepreneurial organization but i think advisors and part of this is the fact that we support independent advisors who aren't employees, who aren't told what to do. Right. And I think one of the things they struggle with is getting some planning done. So mm -hmm. how, how important do you think that planning is and, and how, how, how should people go about that? Because we see that as another area that I think people see planning for the future is just overwhelming. So they just throw their hands up and say, I'm just going to come into work tomorrow and do what I did today because... It's comfortable, and I don't need a plan for the future. I, I find that almost, uh, well, I just find that ironic and funny because if you're talking about advisors, I, their old uh, name, their former name was financial planners, wasn't it? Right. So they are, in fact, relied upon for their planning. 
So in a sense, they've been doing for others perhaps what they aren't doing for themselves. And I think about it this way when people ask me how important is planning. Um, it's other than action, the most important thing, because think about this. When was the last time you went on vacation and you didn't plan it? You just all of a sudden, it was Friday, and then you were getting in the car and hoping you ended up at the right spot. You, you would never do that. You would always plan out your vacation. So there has to be an investment of, of planning for the future in some organized fashion of you know, putting together a vision board, having goals and objectives, tracking those goals and objectives, you know, doing all the, the work that comes behind actually realizing all of those goals. And that planning process is not a one-time, oh, I did it on January 1st, so now I'm done. And you know this from our work with advisors, is it's going back to that table again and again to see how things have changed, to see how things have been become reorganized, to evaluate what's working and what isn't so that you can move toward the change that you're looking to, to manifest. So if we could give a couple of takeaways. So you talked about the vision board. Talk a little bit more about the importance of that and how that might be a good starting point for a financial advisor to do. Yeah, so I was actually just talking with a client today about a vision board that she had done, and she actually had, she took a picture of it and she put it on her desktop. So it's actually the thing that she looks at every single day. It's not tucked away in some corner or you know behind a, a closet door. But she, you take pictures of things that you envision being, seeing, doing, having. For some, it's you know material acquisitions. For others, it's time and enjoyment with family and friends. You know, it could be a, a host of things. But you clip those pictures, put them together on this vision board, and it reminds you of your why and your what. So the why you're doing the things and what you're going to get from being able to get to that. You obviously have to put into place the how and the where, right? Those are those are the tactical pieces to be able to manifest those things. But it's incredibly important for, for us to have a vision. And for a lot of us, it's a visual piece of those, those pictures to be able to see what that looks like. For others, they like seeing a number. They like being able to see a balance sheet and saying, okay, well, this is where my number is. I'm closer to my number. And for a lot of us, it's visual. That's pretty cool. Have you done one before? A vision board? Yeah. I was required to in health <laughs> class in the ninth grade. And I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, they're fun. They're <laughs> really fun. Maybe that's an initiative we should take in here with our team. I think everyone will have mandatory vision boards next week. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> Is that because I'm a quick start and we implement things really quickly? Or <laughs> That's because I had to put a plan together, and I just did. <laughs> See how quick she is? I just love Isn't her. Isn't that great? Yeah, she's good for you. You need to spend more time with her. I know. She's good for you. She's like was yeah. the best find ever, wasn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm saying, yes, absolutely. Oh, we were talking about egos. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Well, he's trying to build through, yours Mine's up. through the roof now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it builds his to build yours, so it's all, it's it's quid pro quo. There okay, so one, one, one more one more tip before we let you go. One more tip? Oh, anything? Yeah. Um, You're the expert. Anybody who's a doctor, we just call her Dr. B. How great <laughs> is that? A doctor. Thanks. Yeah, I think I, I think the one takeaway that revolves back in, a, in all of this is the sense of personal power, that each and every one of us has the ability to decide today and every day after how we're going to use our time, how we're going to use our focus, how we're going to use the opportunities per presented to us, how we're going to harness all of the talents and desires and everything that we have kind of going on inside of us. How are we going to harness that and put that together to be able to make the life that we want? So take that power. Don't uh, don't live smaller than you were intended to live. Um, you know that my, my tagline on my voicemail is live life large, and I mean it. And so what's uh, if someone wants to get in touch or get 
one of your books or get some more information on what you do? How would they get in touch with you? Well, they could go through you because you're like my Just agent, apparently. Beside but that. Yeah, I'll decide that. They could do that. Yeah, they could. Yeah, so they can find me at my website at drbridgetcooper.com um, or they can email me at bridget at drbridgetcooper.com. That's pretty easy. Yeah, it's super easy. That was awesome. Well, thank yeah. you very much. It was like spectacular having you in today. I think so we fun. should definitely come back and do this again. Amen. We would Amen. like that. Yeah. And uh, advisors can't get what they want until they know what they want. So make what sure you want. do some good yeah. planning. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, we everybody. Gonna, I thought we were going to do a duet. <laughs>